When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the second pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select. Aiden Hutchinson shoots the ball. Debbie pressured, and he goes down. Tandalo with another nice play. He's having a big game. Hutchinson is all over him, sacked at the 39. Jets fans and hopefully Jaguars fans this Sunday as we need Duval to get us a big win to secure us that top two pick so we can finally get that premium, premium edge rusher. The Jets have, I think, over 15 players on the COVID list. I am on the COVID list myself out here fighting the battle with, you know, my brothers in green and white. But that wasn't going to stop me from doing a podcast because I knew the draft season listeners would not stand for not getting a podcast on Christmas Eve as the holidays approach. So, James, I mean, do you have your teal ready for Sunday is my question. Of course. I've never been such a Trevor Lawrence fan as I will be this Sunday. Need him to bring home the dub for us. Dylan, Trevor Lawrence is scheme proof. Trevor Lawrence is generational. He's going to deliver us that W on Sunday, right? I, I think the fact that either Trevor Lawrence is just, you know, an absolute God and we're all Jaguars fans Sunday, or the fact that we have practice squad guys coming up who've never worn green and white before playing all over our team on Sunday. All of that seems to kind of add up to a uh, hopeful Jaguars win for us here at draft season this Sunday. Yeah, I mean... Joe, rooting against the Jets is something people have been doing for years now. So honestly, it's gonna be like putting up, you know, putting the putting the gloves back on. So how are you feeling? I'm doing all right, Migs. I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and just remind everybody that we're doing the giveaway this week. So if you want to see the battle of first round picks, you got a chance to win. In I guess a spirit of what we're discussing and potentially getting that, you know, one of those top picks, the freeze that pays this week will be top two pick. Because as much as I want to see the Jets win, I think it's in our best interest to get a better overall draft pick. And what I really want to see is just Zach Wilson ball out, maybe still get that loss. So we could be, you know, dishing out some hot draft takes from here on out. Yeah, no, James Robinson, 40 carries. Zach Wilson has like the ball for 10 minutes, but he plays well in those 10 minutes is the recipe I'm looking for. And for those who are going to call us out saying, you're not a real Jets fan if you're not rooting for wins. The team's got to learn how to win. Well, you know what? I, I would love how to learn how to win, but uh, this call, we had this situation in 2018, and it cost us Nick Bosa, 
and Nick Bosa has 15 sacks on the year, and I don't think a Jets edge rusher has had 15 sacks in my lifetime. So I'll leave you with that. But so Meeks, so Meeks, you're you're okay with the the phrase that pays top two pick. Oh yeah, with? honestly, I'm hoping Detroit gets a gets a nice W this week and that's top one pick. All right, I'm feeling you. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, Kavion's coming home. That's all I want to say. But there's been a lot of a lot of talk in the Slack in this Twitter streets about how Jets need a tight end. Where are we picking this tight end? We'll be giving Dalton Schultz all the money in the world. But someone who hasn't really been talked about on Jets Twitter that I've seen. Uh, has caught the eye of our own Dylan Price. And uh, he's been dying to get on the soapbox for weeks now to talk about this man from tight end U at the University of Washington. And so, Dylan, let us hear it. All right, so let's let's go back here a little bit. Starting in 2011, the Jets have taken four tight ends in that time span. Jordan Leggett, Jason Morrow, Trayvon Wesco, and Chris Herndon. All four of them are, well, Wesco's still with the team, but Wesco's more of a fullback. Amaro is no longer in the league. Leggett's bounced around, and Herndon is trying to salvage some part of his three-game stretch he had in his rookie season with the Minnesota Vikings right now. Then you look to the veterans we've had in the past few years and three guys who immediately jump out. Eric Tomlinson, who quite literally could be the worst tight end we've ever seen doing the green and white. Daniel Brown, who, you know, if it's not Tomlinson, he's solid number two. And then Ryan Griffin, who, you know, I think we all got hopeful for, went on that strong stretch there and then got handed an absolute bag. And now we're stuck with him. So then we have Tyler Croft, which I'll get to him in a sec. But we have not had a legitimate tight end in the past 10 years that I felt comfortable with saying, okay, this is a guy we can go to weekend, week out and really be trusted on. And if you look around the league, you know, you see young quarterbacks with tight ends, they can rely on Mark Andrews with Baltimore is a great example of someone who's been a great bailout for Lamar Jackson. that I've talked out for years. Then you go around the league, you see guys like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Robert Tanyan, and you see these guys who great makes great quarterbacks better. Having a good tight end is a key to having a good offense, in my opinion. I'm a big tight end guy. So let's talk about Kadon here. This is a guy who played for his grandfather's team in high school, was a state champ player. He was an all-around good player and athlete in high school, was an all-state athlete, played basketball as well, which you guys have heard me say about Drake London. I, I love the basketball turned football players, so I'm going to bang the drum for Otten just on that alone. No, but aside from that, this is a team first guy, good guy, high IQ. He's a solid receiver, not necessarily a guy who you're going to count on to be this all-worldly receiver like a Travis Kelsey, but he's a guy who has decent enough knowledge and good enough technique to create separation. Something that worries me, he doesn't have that breakaway speed or any production of yards after the catch in the past, but I think it's something that could be worked on at the next level. And I guess I would say a legitimate threat to be one of the top seven best 50-50 tight ends as soon as he jumps into the NFL as a starter. When he gets starting reps, he's going to be a great 50-50 guy. At Washington, he has been a reliable red zone threat, but his best asset is his blocking ability. He is a, not just a willing blocker, he's an eager blocker. He's willing to get down and dirty. And I think the big, biggest thing we have said about the running backs is that they get run through like turnstiles as blockers. So adding another guy back there on an offensive line that was just getting Zach Wilson murdered on Sunday, and we know our own uh, Joe here is going to have a lot of spicy offensive line takes throughout the rest of the draft season. But, you know, we're talking about how to improve the blocking for Zach Wilson. Let's add another guy on that line in the form of a tight end who can also be an asset. And Otten is probably the best blocking tight end in this class. 
So when we talk about the bad, I think the production is definitely be something that's worrisome. He's only had a couple seasons where he's eclipsed the 250 yard mark in his three years at Washington. So that's obviously worrisome. He's coming off a pretty gruesome foot injury, and he's also had COVID this past season, and that sidelined him. So he's in a rocky 2021 campaign. He probably should have came out in 2020, if we're being honest. Speed, he's not going to be a breakaway guy like I mentioned before. And then weight, his weight significantly fluctuates. He started his college career at around 240, just below 240. And he bounced up to 255 at one point. Now he's playing around 250. If he can comfortably stay at 250, 255 range, I think that's a good playing weight for a tight end. But if he gets above that or below that, I think you could see a little bit cause for concern because of his size and how relied on he's going to be as a blocker because he's proven he can be a good blocker. But as he takes that jump, adding a little more size to his frame is not going to be something that would hurt. So who do I comp him to? I think at a low level, I see a Tyler Croft. They see a guy who can be a good vertical threat, but also can be a decent blocker. Because if we talk about it with Croft, Croft isn't that bad of a tight end overall. He's just not been utilized the best because our quarterback can't really throw to the middle of the field well. But if we talk about a guy who I see as a possible high ceiling, if you look back to college, George Kittle was a guy who was an excellent blocker and finished barely eclipsing 700 yards in his college career. So Kate Otten is a guy I am very high on. He's a guy I think that I value as a second to third round pick, but probably is going to end up going in the fourth to fifth round. I think overall he is a captain, which we know is Joe Douglas is going to love right away. He's won every award you could win at Washington. And I think he's just an all around great player who's going to be an asset to whatever team he ends up with. Specifically, I think he would be a great asset to the New York Jets that haven't had a tight end that I could count on in the past few years. Uh, I'm just going to start because I feel like, I feel like I need to go to like therapy with Dylan and Joe and have them stop comparing draft prospects to the best player at that position in the NFL, because it just sets too high expectations. And I thought with the Drake London, Devontae Adams comparison, we, you know, we got there and Dylan's like, nah, this Kate Otten, George Kittle. You see that tight end who's basically like an offensive tackle blocking and literally can run away from any defense. That guy, that's Kate Auden. But uh, I like Kate Auden. I don't want to make it sound like I don't. Um, I don't see that ceiling on him. I think the most impressive thing for me is how versatile he is. He's a guy who can play in line. He can play out of line. You can really move him around the formation. I don't think he's going to be destined to be a blocking tight end, nor is he destined to be a move tight end. I think he can really fill a lot of roles, which is good. Um, I guess my biggest critique of him really is he's very good at contested catches because he really lacks the nuance in his routes and creating separation to make catches that aren't contested. So that's something I want to see more at the next level is just to see him create that separation more and not have everything have to be a 50-50 ball. But uh, I'm similar to Dylan that I would take him like in the like middle of the third round, beginning of the fourth round, because I do think he's going to be a usable player. And I do agree with his Tyler Croft um, assessment that Tyler Croft is a very capable NFL player. He just can't stay healthy. And if Kate Otten can stay healthy, that you can rely on him 16 games a year, like the way you can't rely on Tyler Croft, I think he'll be a good asset to the Jets and a good asset to whatever football team he goes to. But Joe, I mean, Trey McBride's our guy. We like Jeremy Ruckert. Do you see Kate Otten at the top of this tight end class, or you have a different opinion? Well, first and foremost, Meigs, I mean, I'm not the one who compared Diami Brown to Stephon Diggs, so let's just leave that there. Um, as far as Kate Otten... was a first-team All-Pro when that happened, but okay. Okay, okay, Meigs. Let's, let's move on from that. But anyway, Kate Otten, I do like him. I can't say I like him as much as Dylan. He's a, he's a solid inline tight end, good blocker, good hands, good fit for this offense. He's a decent ball tracker, a little inconsistent there. He'll leave his feet when he doesn't have to. 
But I'll say, I think the one glaring thing about him right now was he's just not a good salesman at this point. It's almost like he doesn't have a good feel of his positioning relative to a defensive back and consequently doesn't get the separation that he could if he set up his routes better. So I think that was something that really kind of stood out for me. And I mean, it's understandable because of lack of experience. He's not utilized in the passing game nearly enough. I do like him though. And I think like Ruckert, he'll be a more productive pro than he was in college. He just needs, you know, some coaching, coaching, coaching. I think Dylan's going to say one of those one day too. Um, but I agree, man. I think he's a top 100 player for me. And I think in that fourth, fifth round range, I'd be more than sold on him. I think he's a, he's had potential. He's got some, a lot of upside. So in that regard, I do agree with Dylan. But as far as the comparison to George Kittle, not exactly seeing that as of right now. Okay. So Dylan, I feel like everyone's on the same page here. I feel like, you know, everything was pretty even keel. Do you have anything else to say about your guy? No, I just can't wait until he's repping the green and white and proving you guys wrong and ends up as an all pro tight end. Okay. So Kate Adams wearing 85, taking Javon Wesco's number, and then George and then George Kittle's gonna want to be on the Jets just to play with him because they're gonna be a tight end you together, is what Dylan's telling us. Okay. <laughs> we talk a lot about the second best player on the 2020 BYU offense in Zach Wilson. We haven't talked about the best player on the 2020 BYU offense, and that man is running back. Tyler Algier, who just had an impressive performance in his bowl game, which BYU narrowly lost. Tyler Algier had 1,600 yards rushing this year. He's a bigger back at 5'10", 220. Good contact balance. Good, powerful runner. Really just a lot of what I loved about Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Very good at making the first man miss. And I really like how he complements a running back like Michael Carter and how he could fit in the Shets offense. Because when Michael Carter was out and Tevin Coleman, who I think has more juice than we all expected, but is just a guy who's probably going to play eight or nine games a year just because that body can't take the hits anymore, that Ty Johnson isn't that guy. And Ty Johnson can't be relied on to be an every down back in the way that he can block, he can catch, he can run. Tyler Algier is one of the better pass blocking running backs that you're going to see coming out of college. And the issues that we saw for su- on Sunday with Zach Wilson will not happen with Tyler Algier. He's a natural pass catcher. He has good, solid hands. I think there's a pathway for him to being a three-down back in this league. And I know James is making fun of me because uh, someone compared him to a little like little Nick Chubb comparison. I don't agree with that. I think he's a lot like Bill's running back, Zach Moss, who was a very good player at Utah, a player I liked, and a player that went, I believe, around pick 81 or 84. And I think that's where I see Tyler Algier is that end of the third round running back who gives you three down value and really compliments Michael Carter well, gives Zach Wilson a familiar face and could put up numbers in this Michael Floor scheme. So, James, I know you loved loved that intro. So let me hear what you have to say about your favorite position, the running back. <laughs> yeah, I think Tyler's a good player. Um, my question is kind of where does he stack up athletically? Because he doesn't seem to be like super quick or fast. Maybe he is fast. Maybe deceptively fast is a good way of describing him. But he does a great job of getting extra yards after contact. Like he's always getting three to four yards after he's contacted at the second level, which is super, super impressive. So he's a player that I like, who's a great fit for this offense. It's just going to be hard to stack him up with players from the SEC and power five conferences. And so that's kind of something I'm looking at going forward. Yeah, James doesn't think that Utah is uh, like a real football team, so uh, that's not a good enough opponent for James. Joe, I know you love running backs, and you do not agree with James that they should be disbarred from the NFL. So what were your thoughts on Tyler Algier? 
I agreed with a lot of what you were saying, Meigs. I think he could be used potentially as like this battering ram, you know, somebody who could compliment Michael Carter. I like that. He's got good contact balance, as James mentioned. He's got good footwork, you know, something that I noticed in him. In space, sometimes his mind isn't kind of caught up with his legs and he will lose some balance. I noticed that as well. So I thought that was a bit of a question mark. But I think he's just in all just a very good one cut downhill type of running back who runs well in zone. And for that, I think he's a good fit with the Jets. I like the way he sets up his blocks and has good vision, good understanding of the strength of a defense too, and ability to exploit a cutback lane. I noticed that. So I, and that's something that I look for in running backs more than say long speed. I know James loves that long speed, but I'm looking for play speed, which is like athletic ability and mental processing grouped together. And Algier looks like he's a smart player. I do sometimes question though, like, is he really good because he's working behind a very good offensive line? Things are really just laid out there for him. So I, I did have some reservations in that regard. And, you know, because when I look at, say, somebody like Kenny Walker, he has these amazing improvisation skills. He could turn something into nothing. You know, when I saw Algier, I didn't really see those exact type of skills from him in that regard. I, you know, he didn't really have the instincts to, to make the first man miss consistently the way I like to see it. So um, I will say, though, that he probably will be and maybe this is a bold statement, one of my top five running backs. I think that when it's all said and done, I would not be surprised if he was my RB5. That's how much I did like him, regardless of all these reservations that I'm having. And like you said, Miguel, I think he's a good fit for this offense. You know, I think that if this offensive line becomes as good as I think it could be, he's somebody who could potentially even be a feature back if like your main guy gets hurt or even becomes that main guy. But I think he does need good blocking. Like he's not this particular prospect who is going to make your offensive line look better. I think that's a, another good way to kind of describe how I see him overall. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you because I don't think that running back who's going to make a bad offensive line look better is even in this draft at all. So that's why that's why I come to a player like Tyler Algier, who I know if I get him in the right scheme with the right offensive lineman, he can be a productive back. Dylan, last time we talked running backs and I brought up Zach Charbonnet, you were a little hesitant, but you've grown to love him. Do we have a repeat performance or are you a little questionable about Tyler Algier? You know, I did. You're right. I grew to love Charbonnet. Um, I already love him. I think uh, Algier I'm pretty high on. I He reminds me a lot of Ryan Matthews, the kind of gritty high motor guy who would kind of add another layer to the offense and be a solid complimentary back, I think, for Michael Carter. And I actually think they could work almost in a tandem that I would like a lot. So I, I'm kind of with him also the familiarity I think that's going to be a huge thing for me especially because of how reluctant Zach's been to hit his checkdowns and go for the shorter passes unless it's literally orchestrated to be that way so I don't know I would like it I think he's high motor guy I can always get behind guys like that so I'd be on board wow I thought I was gonna get a little more resistance but I'm glad we all like Tyler Algier and I'm glad we all thought he was the best player on the 2020 BYU offense but Joe I there's been a lot of talk about a certain uh, safety slash nickel slash defense back from Baylor, who was one of the best players in co reigning coach of the year, Dave Aranda's scheme. And you said you had quite the comparison for me. So I don't, I don't want to waste any more time. Well, Meigs, you know, I think that we've been at odds with some players in draft season, but I, I think you like this guy too, which I'm happy about. And I think maybe this is the kind of guy that we could like hop in that rowboat on a pond and maybe whisper sweet nothing since we each other's ears about, I'm hoping anyway. And you know, I didn't really want to compliment you because you were mean to me earlier in the pod, but I think you have a really good eye for safeties. So the fact that you like him too makes me feel good about it. And when it comes to Jalen Petrie, uh, our stud here from Baylor, defensive backslash safety, 
this dude is just a straight up football player and very good athlete. I think that's the best way to describe him. He brings it on every snap and you have to account for him wherever and whenever he's on the field. He's a legit playmaker, a tackling machine, and someone you definitely just want on your football team. Right now, he plays mostly as a slot corner, but also as an in-the-box safety and some linebacker too. He has good instincts and coverage and is just in general a very smart player. I love his recognition as a run defender and his ability to say, exploit the appropriate hole and absolutely destroy a running back in the backfield. He's extremely disruptive around the line of scrimmage and his 17 and a half tackles for loss are a testament to that, which is actually tops in the big 12 this year and kind of ridiculous for a defensive back. A play versus Texas really stands out where he went through two blockers, two blockers. You should go check it out to blow up Bijan Robinson, future Heisman Trophy winner. You guys heard it here first in the backfield. And I mean, it was really a thing of beauty. And I mean, that's where he really stands out with his recognition skills, especially in the in the run game. And um, what else can I tell you? Oh, he has some serious juice as a pass rusher. I think that you probably love that, Meeks. They do blitz him a ton, either from the slot or off the edge. I was super impressed with his explosion and ability to close. And among all defensive backs, he's second overall in total pressures this season, including two and a half sacks. So really nice stuff. Now going to the comp that you're waiting for. Um, from a stylistic and utilization standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Javon Holland. And if I had to pick one safety who can have that Javon Holland kind of ascension in year one, it would be Jalen Petrie. If you remember, Javon was described and kind of pigeonholed as this in-the-box type of safety, good at covering slot guys or tight ends, and not really versatile in terms of his deep safety ability. And when you hear about Petrie, his scouting report will read very similarly. But just like Holland, I think he has so much untapped potential. And I believe, listen, I believe this guy's a complete prospect and I trust him in multiple roles, whether it is as an in-the-box safety covering slot receivers or tight ends, and also as a single high safety, being that center fielder. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Even though he does very little of that right now, similar to Javon Holland in college, 
For Petrie, I just think it's going to take someone to unleash him in the same way the Dolphins did Holland. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Petrie is a total beast and difference maker in that Baylor defense. There's no question about that. Big 12 defensive player of the year, in fact. But just like Holland, I think he was somewhat limited in his role. And I'm really looking forward to seeing someone who could bring out the best in him. Well, maybe not the best, but rather the rest in him. There is still more there to develop. And I listen, I hope it's Robert Sala. As far as the draft, I think he's going to be drafted in the third round where I would absolutely snatch him up. But for me personally, I gave him a solid second round grade and he's a top 60 player for me in this draft. I will say one negative though, just to be fair, um, is that he can take bad angles here and there and it does result in some missed tackles. So he definitely needs to clean that up, but it's fixable. I'm not really worried about it. Still, Big 12, again, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and Jim Thorpe Award finalist for best defensive back in the country. Petrie should be on everyone's watch list. I hope he's on James's. And we'll get another chance to see him on New Year's Day in the Sugar Bowl. So I'm pumped for that. Now, Meeks, I know you like him too, but I'm curious first what you thought about my comp. And also, what did you think about him from an age standpoint? Because he is a 50-year senior and potentially approaching Medicare eligibility. And you normally steer clear from those prospects. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Um, I think what's really going to blow your mind is we had the same exact comp because that's exactly who I saw watching him was Holland. And I think when you look back to the Oregon tape of when he was a safety for his freshman year, a slot corner for his sophomore year, and then junior year, we obviously didn't get to see him because he opted out. And I think Javon Holland has more on-ball production, which he was superior just getting his hands on the football. And and I think he he had more coverage ability, while Petrie is more that box safety. And what I really like him for the Jets is Petrie's so good at generating negative plays. And when you just see this Jets run defense, especially just giving up so many backbreaking first down carries that go for eight, nine yards, having a weapon that can just force a TFL and just put a team in second 11 does so much for this defense and does so much for a defense's confidence. That's why I really, that's really what's set up me with Petrie. He does go hunting for those TFLs and sometimes that leads to missed tackles and missed angles. And while you don't want to neuter him, you do have to rein that in a little bit. But I think he's a perfect safety for this defense. I think he, like I said, I have him in my top 60. I have zero issues taking him in the middle of the second round, third round. I think he's a very good player. Um, after watching him and Devin Lloyd, you know, it's might be the year of fifth year seniors for me. But James is convulsing at the fact that we're even saying nice things about this player. So, uh, James, let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I think I'm going to really need to pick my spots because this isn't my player. So I don't want to take too long. Um, I guess the first point I'd make is I think a lot of the TFLs are schemed because they blitz him on probably a third of his snaps. So I think that's a big component to acknowledge. Um, and that's not something the Jets do very often, if at all. Um, I guess the other two things I would say are, number one, regarding the Javon Holland comp, um, Holland had nine interceptions in two seasons, um, and he went, he came out for the draft as a junior without having played his junior season because of COVID, he opted out. Um, whereas on the other hand, Pitchery took three years to get on the field, and in five years of college play, he has four total interceptions. And so if you if if Holland were to have played for as long as Pitchery played, he would have had 23 interceptions in his college career, which is almost six times as many as Pitchery has uh, in his five-year college career. So I think the big difference there is ball production. Um, the other thing I would just say is, I think from an evaluation standpoint, the biggest obstacle I have with, with Pitchery is the position that he's projected to play in the NFL is not the position he plays in college. So in college, he plays slot corner. He plays that nickel, 
Whereas in the NFL, he's projected as this kind of deep halves safety. And I think for me, it's like, how high can you take a player who isn't playing at the same position in college that you're projecting him at in the NFL? And so for me, I think Jalen's more of a, you know, late third type guy, early fourth, mid fourth, in my opinion. I think those are all valid concerns. I feel like when it comes to like ball production, Holland, you know, as similar as they were used from a schematic standpoint, he did spend a lot more time in coverage. I mean, almost double the amount of time in coverage. So I think that had something to do with it. And, you know, they do use Petrie a lot around the line of scrimmage. They blitz him a lot. And sometimes people will look at that as a negative. But the reason why they do it is because he's just so damn good at it. I mean, the guy has got just some serious juice. And I do believe there will be a little bit of a, you know, some growing pains with the transition for him going into the NFL. And he's a little older, James. There's, there's no question about that. It took him a little bit longer to kind of uh, find his footing and be the player that he is. So I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have those reservations as well. But the kid is so smart. He's good in coverage. He's got really amazing instincts. And I feel like, like I said, he's just a, a really good football player. He's just a guy that you just, you just want on your football team. And I hope, you know, listen, I hope people sleep on him. Because if he's there in the, around the third round range, like he's somebody I would not hesitate to draft. Dylan, um, it seems we have two very different sides here. So which 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 uh, boat are you swimming to is the real question, I think. So I think I'm actually swimming more to James's, but I'm not rocking your guys' boat over. So before we got on, James actually asked me how I felt. And I kind of let you guys lay it out before I made my end all. I think in this class, I think this is actually a really strong safety class. And I do want to mention that. I think Hamilton, though, McKinley, Battle, Brisker, and Joseph all rank ahead of him in my eyes. I think Petrie, though, I want to say one thing about what you said. Actually, two things about what you said, Joe. You said he's explosive, you know, a guy who excels inside the box. You know who else did that? Jamal Adams. How well did that work out? With that said, though, I'm not going to go in on that because obviously Petrie is a lot better in coverage, I think, than we can all agree Adams ever was. And then the other thing you said that I didn't necessarily agree with is the Dave Aranda. He's a great coach. I, one of my favorite coaches probably in college football right now. And you said, you know, you want to see someone unlock, not the best of him, but the rest of him. I think what he's done so far in that defense has actually been very good. And I think the, the coaching that Aranda's provided him has actually lifted his game a little bit. But I do think, like you said, James, a lot of what you see has been schemed out stuff for him by Aranda. So I do think he's bringing out the best of him. But you can't act the fact that this guy is incredibly instinctual. There was a play he made against Oklahoma where he read it before anybody else on the field saw that there was going to be a run and absolutely blew up the play. So there's a lot of his game that I do like. And then there's a lot of his game where I go, okay, do I necessarily see him as above any of these other guys in front of him in this class? So if by value he is there as some somebody in the late third. Honestly, I would even go mid third round. If he is somebody who's there, I would feel content taking him and I'd be happy with it. But I just think there's some flaws and kind of qualms with the arguments you guys laid out. But overall, I do like him and I do think he would be a good asset. I just think that with the holes on our team, I would address safety more as a depth issue, not necessarily as a top heavy issue. Um, But we just need talent there in general. So I think I would double dip maybe in the back half of the round and then go to add somebody in free agency as well as safety, because I think we just have a very, very bad issue at safety overall. And I would target maybe going for the blue chip guys in the first, second, third round with other selections. But if we address some of those spots in free agency and in early picks in the draft, I wouldn't be mad with Petrie. So I'm kind of indifferent, but rowing more towards James. Yeah, Dylan, I think you said that well. And I guess, I don't know if Joe's coming from this, but this is where I'm really hoping for is that they address safety on day one of free agency 
and Marcus Williams on the Saints is a New York Jet come March. And then you can pair him with another smart player like Petrie, who doesn't need to be relied on to be the best safety. And if playing with better players makes Ashton Davis better, that safety room looks a lot better than Elijah Riley, Ashton Davis, and whatever Neesman's first name is. I'm not learning it. He's not worth it. But um, there's just something about uh, SEC uh, gadget players that this podcast loves for some reason. And James, who relentlessly mocked Joe for uh, wanting to talk about one of them, is deciding to bring his own to the table today. So I'm very excited for this role reversal. So uh, let's talk about Wandale and see how much your mind's just a Rondale, James. Okay, so that's actually a great intro for reasons that will become apparent when I talk. So um, if I asked you, who do you think the second leading receiver in the SEC is in receiving yards per game? behind Jamison Williams is. You might say, oh, well, probably John Mechie or Traylon Burks. But no, it's actually this five foot nine, 185 pounds, mostly slot receiver who plays for the University of Kentucky, uh, Wandell Robinson. So Wandell's a true junior. And at five nine, his size might prompt some people to think that he's just some sort of gadget receiver. But that is so far from the truth. Wandale plays in probably college football's only Shanahan-style offense. The offensive coordinator was Sean McVay's quarterback's coach. He came in and implemented the Sean McVay offense, the Kyle Shanahan offense, but with a little bit more new-agey RPO, zone read type things in addition. But it's, it's pretty much all the classics in the pass game, which is why Wandale is such a great prospect. Um, this means that Wandale runs an actual NFL route tree, the exact same stuff that you see the Jets run every single Sunday. Now, to paint the picture, Kentucky uses Wandale pretty much the exact same as how Michael Fleur used Elijah Moore during that five or six week stretch when he was basically the offense was funneled through him. That's how Kentucky uses Wandale. So Wandale, both he wins both organically, but also occasionally through schemed up touches on fly sweeps and end rounds and screen passes. Now, the crazy part is, and this is gets to Meeks' intro, he's not a gadget player. His best trait, in my opinion, is his ability to win intermediate and win deep and just separate. And this is in part due to the fact that, I'm not kidding, he ran a 4-2-2 yard dash in high school. So uh, that may be a little bit off, but the point is, you know, he's probably not going to break the record at the combine, but he is fast. Um, and this means that he's a deadly separator and he's extremely difficult to defend. I also think he has great contact balance for his size. Um, just kind of summing it up, I think the biggest misconception here is people are going to say he's a gadget player. But if you actually do the work and you look at the offense that is an NFL style offense, you know, as good as you'll find in college football, you see him running the exact same routes that they run on the Jets. Now you see him running arches, which is the Shannon, or which is the McVeigh staple. You see him running rail, all of the like day one, day two install concepts that the Jets run all the time. That is what Wandale is winning with. So the idea that he's a gadget player is completely ridiculous. He wins organically. And so for me, this is a top 45 player in the draft. This is a complete receiver. Yeah, uh, Joe, gonna have- I'm going to go last. So I want you just to take this over, but uh, you got to work your guy, Anaya Smith, in and see where he uh, ranks up with Wandale. Well, listen, I, you know, maybe he ran a four, two in high school, but I've seen this guy chase down way more times than I'd like. I mean, even one of your guys from Northwestern, this guy Ruiz, who is like maybe a practice squad player, 
just chased. I, I couldn't even believe it. I saw this guy come out of nowhere. He, he beat everybody, dragged them to the ground. And I was like, Wanda Robinson, I don't know. Is he really that fast or does he look that fast because he's so small? And I'm starting to lean towards the latter for whatever reason. Um, but I'm going to say right now, he is a gadget player. I'm sorry, James. Like that is how I see him. He's this like scat back for a wide receiver. He actually came from Nebraska. I think he was uh, actually a running back there, like a scat back, right? So he's kind of like these running back wide receiver hybrids. Like you said, he's good on jet sweeps, end around swing pass and reverses. I did like some of his play as far as a wide receiver. I mean, he had some, some actually some pretty good releases from the line of scrimmage, which I was surprised to see. I will say that, but I don't see him as anything more than just kind of a, you know, he's pretty much, let's put it this way. This is the player James thought Elijah Moore was last season, a slot receiver who's good in space. And I don't see him as anything more than that. He's not the complete receiver that Elijah Moore is, but I do again like him as a slot, or I'm sorry, James, as a gadget player. Um, I do think he's fun to watch. I know James said that. And under the right circumstances, he could be a contributor, you know, on, on a Jets offense. I think he actually is a pretty good fit. Now, Listen, he will be in my top 100, but again, I don't think he'll be anything more than a role player who will have maybe some big games, but whose production will be just incredibly inconsistent. Um, he's a small guy. He doesn't have good contact balance. He'll make you miss, but he's not really breaking any tackles. So yeah, I, I, I think he's fun. I think that's, he's the kind of player that's on your team. You're like, yo, Wondell Robinson, he's the man, but he's not exactly, you know, let's say a, a game changer, you know, when it comes to Sundays. Uh, Dylan, I'll go to you because I have a nice spiel about this for James. Yeah, so I, I hate leaving you out to dry here, James, but I'm going to lead more with Joe. So I, I'll bring the guy up and twist him in because it seems like he's actually risen up my board more than anybody's, but Anaya Smith is kind of who I think they're going to be compared heavily in this class. Now, I'm not saying this, James, because I see you already freaking out. I'm not saying this because I think Anaya Smith is necessarily even the better fit for this team. But if you're going to go with a guy as a gadget guy who, because unfortunately Robinson is going to get pigeonholed in that same class with Smith by a guys other than the three of us going against you right now, or wherever Meeks ends up falling into this, but Anaya Smith is going to be better with the things that Joe just said that Robinson struggles with, with contact balance, with breaking tackles. And that's just strictly because Smith comes with those RB traits that he had in the past. And if you're going to go strictly on a gadget guy, I am going to lean Smith because of that past as a running back and can be a good ball carrier and allow the, gadget abilities to kind of take some of that pressure off of Elijah Moore. But at the same time that I will kind of understand your argument, the route running and the schematic stuff, yes, kind of leads to a fit for Wandale Robinson more than it would with Anaya Smith. And I do agree that although I think Smith is a better player and higher on my board personally, I think Robinson would make more sense for this team. But based on where he's going to get drafted and the depth of this wide receiver class, I just don't see a guy who is going to unfortunately get pigeonholed as a gadget guy being a guy I would take over some of the other receivers that are going to be on the board at the same time Wandale Robinson's on the board. So draft season fans, um, this one's this one's for the longtime listeners. Uh, I want to take you back in the little time machine. And Joe started about this, and this is where my mind went immediately. We'll take you back to the draft season of last year when there was a certain wide receiver who actually led the SEC in receiving yards per game. And he also was 5'9". And he ran a 4'3'5". To James Coons, he was only a slot. He wrecked Alabama. To James Coons, he was only a slot. James Coons didn't see elite player potential in this player because he was too small and he was too much like Jamison Crowder. That player I'm referring to wears number eight for the Jets. 
And we spent all of draft season trying to tell James Coons that Elijah Moore was special, that he was that dude, and that he was better than Tylen Wallace. And James, James didn't listen to us. And watching Wondell Robinson, I think James is chasing the ghost of Elijah Moore, and he's trying to not make that same mistake next year and for this one, and I just didn't see it. I think he's a very fun player. I think what he can do with a smart offensive coach, the way he can scheme him touches, and the way that he can impact games as a role player, like Joe said, is fun. If you want to take that in the top 100, to me he's like a little worse version of K.J. Hamler. But, uh, no, I did not see top 45 player. And, James, I'll give you one last, uh, you know, thing just to spout about Wandell. No, I mean, I think, look, everything you said is true. I can't refute it. But what I will say is, um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to learn from from being too low on Elijah Moore, 100%. I mean, that definitely was in retrospect. And, I mean, I want to get better at this. So, I think, I mean, look, I, I guess just the, the main thing is the people who say he's a gadget player – I mean, watch him. Is he getting most of his production on gadgety stuff? No. I mean, you know, all, most of the routes that he gets like decent chunk yards on are just kind of normal routes. And I guess just, I think the production is inarguable, you know? So, I mean, he's out producing all these top prospects, John Mechie, Traylon Burks. I think there's a reason for that. So we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. And um, I think what's going to be the biggest indication is Wandale Robinson's rookie year and what his air yards per target is. Because if it's talking to James, it's going to be the normal six, seven yards. For us, I think it's going to be closer to three. But we'll see who wins that battle in the coming months. But draft season fans, I know you'll be listening to this on Christmas Eve. Wish you all a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we have a big game on Sunday. The shorthanded New York Jets. Hopefully going to take the out of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, generational quarterback, scheme proof. He's so much better. What his numbers suggest are going to take us to the promised land. We're not going to repeat 2019. And one of Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson will hopefully be, will hopefully be a jet. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod. Our guy, James, we've been doing Twitter spaces. We do it for the rest of the season. Our guy, James on tonight, he'll be on throughout the week. So keep a lookout, make sure you're following all of us on Twitter Make sure doing the giveaway so you can see Trevor Lawrence hopefully win in person with our guy Joe and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your weekend.